He said that Jesus Christ has risen And He is the open door How you doing everyone? Welcome to this episode of the Cajun Conservative Show Where we talk about life, we talk about liberty And yes, we talk about the pursuit of happiness And we show the world that us Cajuns do have intelligence Hope you're having a good day, good week Wherever you're located, happy Labor Day That is uh, today as we release this episode uh, Again, thank you for joining us If you, uh, you're you enjoying the holiday weekend uh, Please enjoy yourself and please be responsible I know uh, some of my listeners, uh, they like to... Uh, like to have a good time with uh not not but light <laughs> not but light uh but anyway no but you know I, y'all are respectful audience y'all uh, y'all know better and um just be safe out there on this holiday weekend a three-day weekend uh i i enjoyed it i enjoyed it uh got off on got off on friday uh well no no i work friday <laughs> Oh man, huh. but now enjoying the three-day weekend. Got off on Friday, yes. Got off on Friday, and went ahead and just had an awesome time uh, this weekend with the uh, church and the school. Uh, I say school. Uh, you can tell I'm tired. You can tell I'm tired, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm just, you know, just just a long, long weekend, but it's fun. I love the Lord. I love the Lord, and He has done uh, great things. Uh, Saturday, spend a lot of time with the family. Play some softball Friday night and um, Sunday. Had a good time at church. So I'm excited. I'm blessed. And uh, I'm highly favored of the Lord. And see, that, that's the thing. A lot a lot of people always ask that question about being blessed. Isaac, you're always talking about being blessed. But, you know, are, you know, aren't you like everybody else that is struggling in this economy? Yes, I am. Um, I'm, I'm making some life decisions. I have to, I have to make some life decisions um, at, at the time of this episode where, you know, we always do. But a lot of people will say, well, Isaac, you say you're blessed, but you're not driving a Ferrari. You're not, you're not, you don't have a big house. You don't, how you say you're blessed? Well, I'm saved. First off, I, g- I gave my life to Jesus Christ at, a, at, at the age of 15. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit soon after. And God has uh, blessed me tremendously with a great family and awesome uh, parents, uh, awesome siblings. Uh, you know, God has just blessed me tremendously. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to say this. God has, you know, I, I'm blessed beyond measures. So even with the, um, the, 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 the battles of life, even even in the battles that I, I go through, Jesus Christ is there and he has helped me tremendously. So I am blessed as to have him as a savior, a king. Now, you might be an atheist. You might believe something else and you might go, oh, Isaac, how dare you? How, how can you say that? Well, you know, I, I'm just blessed. Blessings don't come. It ain't just physical. It, it is uh, some things that could be spiritual. You know, God, look, this podcast is a blessing. I never thought growing up that I would be behind a microphone, be interviewing politicians and, you know, talking to you, the audience. I never, I never thought that. I never, I never thought, I didn't, I didn't even know I had a passion for media, but God gave me that passion because this is my calling. And I believe this is the purpose that God put me on this earth for. So, you know, with that being said, I, I'm just excited. I'm blessed beyond measures. I'm blessed to have you as an audience. And uh, I'm excited to see what God has in store for us going forward on this show. 
a couple of announcements. Um, we got Mr. Uh, Chris Tozan. He is the District 5 Parish Councilman here in St. Martin Parish, the parish I live in. Uh, great guy. Uh, he, he ran unopposed uh, for his seat, so he's in his last term. And Chris got with me the other day and wanted to come on the show, so I said, look, come on. So we're gonna have Chris Tozan come on. Now you might be asking, you, you might be asking, well, Isaac, why are you having a small time politician, I guess you could say, uh, in your studio? Cause that's, that's local government. It's, well, local government is very important. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, you can have a conservative governor, you can have a conservative president, you, but you can have all that. You can have conservative senators, but if your local government ain't conservative, you're gonna struggle. And that is the bedrock of the of america that is the bedrock of you know of your community and that is your local government your local government is is very important and this is why i like have i like having local politicians on and hopefully we have more we have more that that will come on uh, but chris is going to be joining us in the third segment can't wait to have him uh love hanging out with chris love talking with him a uh, great parish councilman uh he's not my parish councilman i, I live in district eight of uh of st martin parish but a uh, great friend and i um if you live in district five you might want to uh, listen to this so but chris, chris is coming on and a uh, great great guy i think he's gonna be uh he's gonna he's gonna be fun to sit down with him and talk with him a little while so ladies and gentlemen let's get into our topic for the day um our topics America is struggling. America is the America is just going down in the toilet economically. A lot of people might be saying, "Well, Isaac, why, why are you bringing this up?" You know, well, there's a lot of things going on right now, or a lot of uh, a lot of sayings going around about the Biden economics. How the Biden economics is one of the greatest things since sliced bread. They say the buying economics, uh, they, they work. We got low inflation. The job numbers are down. Well, they're going up. Uh, the unemployment rate's going down and everything's good. Every, everything, everything's, you know, awesome in America. Um, everything's fine, but in reality, a lot of it's not. People are losing their homes. People are fighting to survive. They're living paycheck to paycheck. If you read a lot of the numbers, you see a lot of the people that are getting into credit card debt to pay their bills. They're 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 literally they're literally taking out loans to pay their loans that they got or their household notes. Something we didn't hear about in the Trump administration. We heard people say that it was they 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 their wages were going up that the the economy was going the economy was fine at, at the end of trump's um term inflation was under two percent a lot of people I, and look i have a lot of uh debaters on TikTok that will tell me no it was at 3.8 full of baloney um they felt when they talk about this low inflation number now that's under biden which is still at 6.8 um, they 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 would they would like to go ahead and say, well, th this is the lowest inflation rate ever, and I'm like, no, it's not. Oh, Isaac, you're a Trump supporter. You no, I'm I'm just giving you facts. Under Biden, inflation went up 9.1, the highest highest ever. The only other president to get it that high was Jimmy Carter, and I I I said this, Jimmy Carter can thank Joe Biden. Because Jimmy Carter was labeled 
the worst president ever in American history. But now it is uh, Joe Biden. Joe Biden is labeled the worst president ever. And you can go ahead and you can you can you can debate me all you want. Joe Biden has not done nothing good for this country. Nothing whatsoever. Uh, he has pushed more socialistic ideas than any other president, and that is including Obama. And I remember growing up with Obama. I remember seeing what this president done to this country. Pre president Obama hurt this nation. And in, in, in the short four years that Trump was there, Trump fixed a lot of what Obama did. And within less than four years, Biden comes in and destroys everything. It took four years for Donald Trump to build back up America to its standing in glory. And only a few months, Biden tears down. But it's easier to tear something down than to build it up. Again, you might be asking, Isaac, why are you bringing this up? Uh, they didn't have nothing major happen this week on the economy. Well, yes, there was. And there was, uh, there was the uh, August reports that came out for jobs. And... It showed that the U.S. added 187,000 jobs. That happened this week. Now, you might be saying, well, Isaac, is that a good thing that jobs were added? Yes, jobs were added. Now, this was non-farm payroll jobs, and the unemployment rate rose to 3.8 over the past month. Now, Obama, uh, not Obama, Biden goes ahead and he celebrated this on Friday. He went ahead and made a speech like he always does at the beginning of every month when these numbers look good. He wasn't having these uh, these press conferences in my uh, that I'm aware of when the inflation rate was 9.1. He he was he's having them now because he thinks that this is good numbers for him. Well, um so he he went ahead and had this press conference and he, this is his quote. We're going to go ahead and read his quote. It wasn't that long ago that 20 million Americans were out of work. Biden said, the American people didn't give up. They never gave up. They never given up. And today we have the strongest economy in the world. The lowest inflation rate amongst the major economies. 13.5 million new jobs. You heard me say it before, and I'm going to keep saying it. My dad said a job is about a lot more than a paycheck. It's about your dignity. It's about your respect. It's about being able to look your kid in the eye and say, honey, it is going to be okay and mean it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, good words, but a lot of baloney. Oh, Isaac, what you mean? Well, let's start from the top. It wasn't that long ago that 20 million Americans were out of work. Well, yeah, but it was out of work because of COVID. See, he didn't mention that in his speech. Nowhere. He, he, it, this is basically a shot at Donald Trump by saying, look, Donald Trump, you couldn't give jobs, but I came in and I gave jobs. I, I, wrote, I brought the economy back up. I went ahead. No, you didn't. It's kind of funny. During the Trump administration, when COVID happened, you had Democrats and Republicans listening to Fauci. And that's one thing I wish Donald Trump wouldn't have done was listen to Fauci. But Democrats and Republicans alike told Donald Trump, shut the economy down. When Donald Trump shut the economy down for COVID-19, 
It brought this country into a spiral downward. And we lost, there, there was millions of jobs lost because of COVID-19. When Biden got in there, that's when the media started lighting up on COVID-19. You remember, and this is, and everyone, every American should remember this. This is, how, this is how biased the media is. Don't you remember Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, all of all the major news networks always had a tracker on the, on the side of the screen showing how many had died that day or how many people were dying during the COVID pandemic and all the total people that died under the COVID pandemic. It's kind of funny after Biden got inaugurated, that all disappeared and COVID started easing up. And people started going back to work and it started lifting COVID restrictions. Do you remember this, ladies and gentlemen? The media didn't want it to seem that bad. It's like the swine flu in Obama's time. Swine flu was bad, but they didn't want to panic anybody. So they didn't promote it on media that much. No, it, it, that would have made Obama look bad. Ladies and gentlemen, 20 million jobs lost was because of COVID-19. But President Biden didn't say that. Why? Because it makes him look bad. It, it makes him look bad because the only reason them jobs came back was because it was lifted. The COVID pandemic was lifted. And that's why them number, that's why we have job uh, going up now we it's been it's been a while since COVID now so you can't you can't say hey the numbers ticked up but the first part of Obama, uh, Biden's administration that's why uh, Biden said that the American people don't give up that is a true statement I can tell that Americans are, stri are, are strong hearted people they don't give up when they hit diversity he said they never get they never gave up and they never have given up like I said that's a true statement but listen to this right here. He's and I'm I'm, I'm going back over his quote. And today, America. And today, we have the strongest economy in the world. No, we don't. The Dow is going down every day. The Nesquik is going down every day. The economy is struggling to survive. But we live in the we live in one of the world's strongest economies. Now, don't get me wrong. America is still a strong economy. It is the, um, the dollar is still supposed to be the standard of a lot of countries. Um, China has taken over a lot of that, that standing though, unfortunately, because our economy is not strong. Our economy is weak. He says the lowest inflation rate amongst the major economies. Well, we were, yeah, we, we might be, I don't know. I haven't looked at other countries, but uh, they, they didn't give the daily caller didn't give the inflation rate right here. But last time I looked, it was still over 6%. Americans are struggling because of inflation. That wasn't Trump's fault. Biden, Biden's going on the stage and that, that's, that's for his campaign. Of course, he's going on the stage and he's telling people, listen, I have one of the lowest inflation rates out of all the economies in the world. Okay. Why isn't it as low as when Trump was in office, when Trump hit, it was, it was under 2% under Trump? Oh, let's not talk about that because it's about me. And that's what Biden says all the time. It's about me. We're going to see that in Florida later on as we talk about that. But ladies and gentlemen, he's and he, he talks about his dad talking about a job. And that you look your kid in the eye and say, honey, it's going to be okay. A job, and listen to how he structured this. He says... 
What my dad said about, uh, about uh, said a job is, is a lot more than a paycheck. It's about your dignity and your respect and all that. Okay. Okay, look, I'm a dump truck driver. I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be a dump truck driver. But your job, if it don't pay your bills, you have to go find another one. Because that's the only way you can look at a kid and I say, hey, it's going to be okay. But if you're struggling paycheck to paycheck. Oh. See, 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 that's how he gets around. Oh, your job is a lot more than just a paycheck. It's just more than a paycheck, man. You, you just, you know, enjoy your job. Even if you are struggling, just pay your job. Just, 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 just enjoy your job. Because, see, that sounds a lot better than saying, hey, you're struggling, but, hey, it's going to be all right. Now, going according to this, nearly 8 in 10 consumers who make less than 50000 a year are unable to pay their future bills until they receive their next paycheck. According to the Lending Club research, about 4 in 10 Americans who are earning more than 100000 are facing similar struggles. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. President Biden is uh, telling you, hey, a job is more than a paycheck. It's about looking into your children's eyes and saying, it's okay. You're going to make it. I'm using the, I'm using the, the Biden soft tone. But we're supposed to have the world's strongest economy. We have, he's according to Biden, we have the lowest inflation amongst economies, but six in, uh, yeah, nearly eight in 10 consumers are living paycheck to paycheck. If they hit, they make under $50,000. Ladies and gentlemen, $50,000 don't go a long way no more. Back in the day, back in the, back in the early 1900s and late, later, the, the late 1900s, $50,000. If you made $50,000, that was good. But if you make less than $50,000 now, you're living paycheck to paycheck. And look, I'm not trying to, oh, pity Isaac. I make under $50,000 with my job. And I live paycheck to paycheck. It's not fun. But according to Biden, we're all fine. We're all good. Ladies and gentlemen, the American citizen is struggling under this president. The American citizen is fighting to survive in this nation. But President Biden, all he can tell you is, hey, it's more than a paycheck. It's more than just a, it's more than just a paycheck. It's your respect. It's your dignity, your job. But if that job don't, if, if you're getting a paycheck and you can't pay your bills, you're living in misery. See, it sounds good. It, it's it, Biden, it, it sounds good. But it's a hunk of baloney, in my humble opinion. But this is coming from the man. Also, because this is, and I'm going to wrap up with this. American citizens are struggling, like we just said. And this is coming from a man that owns two houses in Delaware, but tells the press on Sunday after leaving church, out of all places, church, he tells the press, I have no home to go to. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, according to Fox News, Biden was on vacation again, which 40% of his presidency has been on vacation, just to let you know. Biden said Sunday during his visit to the Rowboat Beach, Delaware, uh, during his recent rowboat uh, beach Delaware that he wasn't he was not on vacation he has no home to go to for the time being Biden approached reporters after leaving mass at St. Edmund's Roman Catholic Church and unpropped unpropped 
revealed his weekend trip was not for vacation purposes, according to the Associated Press. The president, who has two homes in Delaware, lives at the White House, but spends most of his weekends in the first state. I have no home to go to, Biden told reporters. Maybe this is why he's talk, he, he, he's happy about the economy. Because he has no home to go to, and he's struggling just like the American people. The poor man's homeless and senile. With two houses and the White House that he lives in. Ladies and gentlemen, this president is trying to make you feel sorry for him. Because he, he has no home to go to. But he wants to tell you, the American citizen, that you live paycheck to paycheck. Yes, you do. You're struggling. But just remember, a job isn't just about a paycheck. It's about your dignity. It's about your respect. It's about telling your children that we're going to make it, baby. We're going to make it. While the man that has no home has three of them. It's just hypocrisy in my eyes. A man that's saying he's struggling while sitting on a beach drinking cocktails while the Hawaiian islands are on fire. I, to me, it's hypocrisy all the way through. With that being said, we're going to go ahead and take our break. We'll be right back in a few moments, so stay tuned. That the four things that I think are most important is to be tough on hardened criminals. The criminal justice system, you got to help out people. And I did this for years and years and years as a prosecutor. Probably 80 to 85% of the people that came through the, uh, the DA's office and through my prosecution experience, they, they got help to get back on track. About 15% were just hardened criminals that didn't deserve to be helped. They needed to go somewhere where they could not be a danger to you and I. And so we took care of putting those people in that place. I will fight for victims' rights. I've been a vice president of Crime Fighters, the largest victims group in the state, and dealt with victims all across the state uh, and, and helped them uh, navigate the criminal justice system and, and soothe their broken and aching hearts from their losses. And so I would continue to do that. I'd promote the early intervention program, and I would always, always, always be pro-life, pro-gun, and pro-Louisiana and fight for all your constitutional rights. So if you want somebody like me that has a tough on crime background, I think uh, you would be well suited to join our team. And uh, I would be honored to have your vote on October 14th. This message is authorized by the campaign to elect Marty Mayer, Attorney General. Welcome back to the second segment of the Cajun Conservative Show today. Again, at the th on the third segment, we're going to have Mr. Chris Tozan. He is running. Oh, he was running for the 5th District in St. Martin Parish Council, but um, ran on the poll. So now he is the Parish Council elect. And he'll be with us on the third segment. Talk about local politics and a little bit of his vision going forward for the parish that we live here. We live in in Louisiana. Uh, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, look, I don't know about the North. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I, the furthest, the further. I, I, let me see how far I went up north. The further that I, the the furthest I ever went up north, I think was Tennessee. Um, my, I, I do want to go to Kentucky now, but even Kentucky, Tennessee, and all that—that's still considered the South. 
But I never been to New York City. I never been to uh, Chicago. I, I never been. I never been to places too too much north. Like I said, the furthest I went up north was Tennessee. And I don't. So so what, what I'm about to say is I don't know if I'm representing the north. But I know for the South. Now, I am not a beer drinker. I, you, <laughs> I talked about, you know, on the weekend, I told you guys, hey, be respectful. You know, just. Uh, um, <laughs> but I, uh, man, I, I'm not a beer drinker. I'm not, I'm not an alcohol drinker at all. I don't drink alcohol. The, the strongest thing I drink is coffee, community coffee, by the way. I'm just saying. Um, but I know a lot of people that, that love their alcohol. And they love to have a good time, according to if you like doing that. That's if you have a good time with it. But ladies and gentlemen, it bothers me when the government, yes, when the government sticks their head in something and tell you, tells you that you as a citizen should only drink two beers a week. Wait, wait, what? I said, what? Well, the Biden administration, the Biden alcohol advisor, I guess you could say, the the Chris, says U.S. must follow Canada's limit beers to two a week. And the writer of the article says, what a joke. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. According to the, uh, President Biden's alcohol, Chris, C. C-Z-A-R says Americans may be told by officials to have no more than two beers a week. Um, it was told by the, the National Institution of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. Uh, George, George Cobe told Daily Mail on Thursday that the U.S. may follow Canada's footsteps on alcohol guidelines. Now, according to this article that I read, th these guidelines are recommended. So it's not, they're not telling you the American citizen that, hey, you have to, you only have to drink two beers. There's, um, there is a law. If you drink three beers, you get a misdemeanor. If you drink four beers, well, you're going to go to jail and you're going to spend a night in jail. And every beer you drink after, you're going to have a night in jail. That, they're not, they're not making it a law. I don't, I, I don't think Congress or the Senate or anybody would do that, but it, they did not make it a law. But this is a recommendation that only two, only two beers a week because Canada says two beers a week. Now, like I said, I don't, I don't drink. So I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not an alcohol consumer. Um, there was the same thing with Bud Light. Remember when they had all the, 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 the rage about Bud Light and the, the boycott and people were like, you're going to boycott Bud Light. I'm, they didn't get my money be, to begin with. So they weren't, they weren't missing my money. They were missing the guy that bought three cases a week. They were missing that dude's cash. But the one that didn't buy, um, didn't buy the uh, the beer, it, 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 didn't, it didn't matter. Now, it, something would happen with Coca-Cola, something like that. Coca-Cola would miss my business because I, I drink Coca-Cola Zero. Trying to lose that weight. I'm, I need you to hold me up to that, by the way, audience. Uh, but it's a recommendation. Because Canada said, I, I'm sorry, I wouldn't listen to anything Canada says. Justin Trudeau is nothing more than a, a liberal hack, socialistic, socialist hack that wants the government to go ahead and control your life. Uh, it goes to the same point uh, with the gun regula regulations in Canada. You can't, I, to my knowledge, I don't think you can hold a handgun. You can't, you can't, you can't use a gun to defend yourself. The only guns you can have is guns capable of hunting.
So if we're going to follow Canada's guidelines on alcohol, what what makes it what what makes it to where they say, "Hey, you're going to we're going to go ahead and follow the Canada's guidelines on gun restrictions." Ladies and gentlemen, we should not follow anything Canada does. Canada is not it, it, they, they call themselves a democracy, but they're not a democracy no more. They're a banana republic. Where they tell people you're free as long as you do what the government tells you to do. Ladies and gentlemen, this is this is crazy. And I me personally, I I don't think we should do this. Now, now like I said, American people, look, there's some people that are over they they they're uh, they're they're uh, alcoholics. And you if you are an alcoholic, you need to get some help. But at the same time, you nobody can go tell somebody else how much they can drink, how much they can eat, how much they can drop. Look, there's speed limit signs for a reason. I understand that. But we we shouldn't we shouldn't go ahead and tell people how much they should drink. Now, do, like I said, do I do I encourage drinking? No, I, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't I don't think drinking should be done by any individual. But at the same time, I'm not gonna go tell everybody, hey, don't drink. I can tell people why I don't drink and why I think people shouldn't drink. Now that's up to the person, the individual to say, okay, I, I, I agree with you, Isaac, I'm not gonna drink. Or they say, look, you know, Isaac, that's your belief. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. But for the government to tell people, hey, you can only have two beers a week, mm, that bothers me. It bothers me when the government tells you to do something that does not pertain to them. But this is big government working at its finest big government likes telling the, the people with who they think is peasants to do what do what they want them to do not what they want them to do not not what not what you the individual say look hey, it's my freedom i can do whatever i want all right so unfortunately there was a hurricane in florida last week praying for all the victims that lost their homes and look i can relate to Florida. I can relate to Florida in this. We um, we live in Louisiana, where unfortunately we get hurricanes as well. We have, we've been lucky for the last couple of uh, years. We have not had that 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 major of hurricanes. We haven't had landfall here. We I think Texas is the closest. Now we feel the effects of uh, the wind because a lot of people. I don't know if you realize that. And that's like I said, people up north they pro they don't experience hurricanes unless it pass through as a storm. But hurricanes, you know, you can feel the, the effects for miles. Um, the wind gusts. We, we notice when there's a hurricane in Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, or Texas. We, if it don't directly hit us, we, we feel the effects of the wind. We get some showers and stuff like that. Uh, so a hurricane's very powerful. And uh, this hurricane that passed through Florida did some damage. Now, to his credit, President Biden did go to Florida. I, I have reasons to believe this is more like him showing, hey, I care for the people. It's the same thing with Hawaii. He, he, he took his time to go to Hawaii. He only went to Hawaii because the pressure got up. And I, I don't know. I, I, this, is, this is just me thinking. Possibly Biden was like, hey, I'm not going to go to Hawaii because that's a blue state. I got that state in the bag. And when he started hearing rumors that the Hawaiian people were upset with him, uh, he said, I need to go. And look, there's videos out there where there's people giving him the number one finger, um, saying words that 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 start with F. 
<laughs> uh, they 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 just didn't like him. But he he rushed to Florida. Now, like I said, to his credit, I'm glad he went to Florida. Um, Rick Scott met him, the state senator, the the, the federal senator there, the the senator to uh, Rick Scott and former governor. But Ron DeSantis wasn't there. Now Ron DeSantis get a, got a lot of heat on it, but the Santa's administration said meeting with Biden would do more harm than good aim hurricane efforts. So they were like, look, this is going to be a lot of traffic, a lot of problems. We, you know, let just the president go. Now, like I said, Rick Scott met with him, but um, Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis didn't want uh, President Biden in Florida anyway. But he went. And like I said, you can, I'm on the fence with Ron DeSantis not meeting him. I think if the president shows up, no matter if you're a red governor or a blue governor, you should go meet the president out of respect for the office. I don't like Biden, but you know, if president Biden would call me and say, look, can you come to the white house? That's not, that's kind of not, that's not an invitation. That's kind of like, Hey, you come to the white house. I would show Biden the most respect because he's the president. Now I would let him know in the kindest ways. Look, I don't agree with you. Uh, it's the same thing with John Bell Edwards. Okay. Uh, I don't agree with John Bell Edwards. I won't rush to take a picture with John Bell Edwards, but if I have, if I would ever meet the governor of this state, no matter who it is, I would shake their hand and I would kindly tell him, Mr. Governor, I don't, I don't agree with you on a lot of things, but that the, the office of the governor is, is, and that's what we're losing. We lo we lost that in America. Okay. We lost respect. Oh, I don't like Biden. If you guys ever see Biden, I'm gonna, no. He's still the president of the United States is the You got to respect the person you got You got to respect Biden is still the president. I know you don't, I know a majority of people that are on this audience don't like Biden. I understand. I don't like Biden either. I, most of my content on this channel and on this podcast is, is talking about Biden, but you still should respect the president. Every chance I get, I pray for him. Look, I feel sorry for this man. This man, this man, this man is losing his mind. We're seeing it. We're seeing a man that, that is, that is physically unable to run this country, fall apart in our, in front of our television screens. And you, you got to pray for him. You, 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 it feels bad. You feel bad for him. But, and like I said, I'm on the fence with it. I, I, I think Ron DeSantis should have. When I understand he, they're running for president and everything like that, Ron, uh, Joe Biden praised Ron DeSantis saying, look, we, we can put politics aside. I don't think politics played a role in this. Maybe he had something else to do. I don't know. But I, 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 maybe maybe Ron DeSantis should have went. That's just my opinion. Okay? I'm not. And look, I'm a Ron DeSantis guy that's for president and stuff, but just like Donald Trump, if, if I see Ron DeSantis do something, I'm going to call him out uh, that I disagree with. Anyway, going back to that, though, while they were in and while they were in Florida, President Biden was asked the question why he didn't go to East Palestine yet. Now, a lot of people might ask, well, what's, what's going on in East Palestine? Well, a couple of months ago or almost a year now, there was a derailment in a little town called East Palestine in Ohio, and it was devastating. These people were they, they lost people were evacuated the air quality was bad you you had you had a lot of stuff go on in this state in or in this town in east palestine and in east palestine they went ahead and they they were asking for the president to come they were asking for the president to if you remember it was it, that's what it was twitter x they had a, a x post where they had these people they had these people filming the water they threw a rock in the water and it it, it like oil, if you mix oil and water, it, it made rainbow colors. And it was just devastating. And 
President Biden never went. Well, he was asked during the press conference that was on Saturday uh, that why he didn't go. And he basically said during the interview that he had not had a, a chance to go to East Palestine, Ohio, because he's been too busy. Now, he, like I said, he made the trip to Florida. Props to him. He went to Hawaii. Props to him. People were asking him to go. He took a while to go to Hawaii, but he went. Um, why, why he didn't go to East Palestine? I'm just too busy. Ladies and gentlemen, okay, I understand the president of the United States is a very busy person. But you're telling me that you could not tell your planners or people that set your schedule? Look, schedule this date. I'm going to East Palestine. I'm going to reassure them American citizens that I, I, I'm going to go there. That's all you had to do. And they, they would have, they would have pistol, penciled it in. I'm just too busy. Lady Jim, is he too busy or is he concerned for the air quality or the water? Or you get what I'm saying? Look, this, does the federal government know something that we should know about East Palestine? And look, this was a devastating, devastating event. Ladies and look, it wasn't just this event. They had multiple derailments around that time. We don't, I don't know what was going on, but he says he's too busy to go and take care of the citizens of the United States when they're asking for him. See, that, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, that, that, that's okay. Like I said, Donald Trump would have been there in a the flash. Oh, Isaac, you're saying that because you're a conservative and you like Donald Trump and uh, no, his actions told us he would go there if he was president. Because look at the national disasters that happened in this country when Donald Trump was president. Don two days, Donald Trump was on the ground, surveying the damage, seeing what was going on. It didn't matter. It didn't matter who it was. Donald Trump was there. This president, I'm too busy to go to a little town like that. I got to go to, I got to go to Delaware to my homes that are not my homes on the beach. I got to, I got to go and go to Nevada with Hunter and, and whoever else shows up. Cause we don't have no visitor logs. Anybody can come in and we can talk about Hunter's uh, dealings without the media knowing about it. He's, he, he's just too busy for the American citizen. Maybe worried more about Canada. For a president to say he's too busy to care for the American people. That's scary to me. That's my opinion. And I just, I, like I said, you, you had Donald Trump. Donald Trump got a lot of criticism from all, uh, from every area of his presidency. But at least you know he was going to be there. He was going to be at that disaster area. And he was going to go ahead and help or reassure the American people that you were going to be okay. And I just, too, he's too busy to go to East Palestine. Now, I don't know why this question was asked during this Florida event, but it, it, it opened a lot of eyes. Now, um, he did say, but we're making sure that East Palestine has what they need materially in order to deal with their problems. Uh, yeah, you can give them all they want. You can give them the help, but if you're not there, or you're not showing that you, you want to be there. Eh, it's kind of it's kind of a, it's kind of a 
losing cause. All right, so one more story, and then we're going to go ahead and get with our interview with uh, Mr. Chris. Um, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy details how impeachment inquiry into Biden would start. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I believe Congress is in recess right now, and they're not back yet. But um, Kevin McCarthy, who is Speaker of the House. Now, there is some some chatter going around that um, with a spending plan and stuff. We're talking about a, a, a government shutdown again. We just passed a $2 trillion um, uh, debt extension, I guess you could call it, or extend the debt yeah extend the debt and we're talking about another government shutdown that two trillion dollars was a shot in the bucket apparently so a lot of people are on kevin mccarthy's back the only thing that's saving kevin mccarthy really is this impeachment inquiry in my humble opinion um now i think he's a good speaker i think republicans should leave him alone and let him do his job he's been investigating and all that but there's been talks of an impeachment inquiry into president biden um to extend the investigations into a lot of the stuff because they're getting the railroad the hunter biden incident is a perfect example give him a plea deal where he has immunity the judge says no we're not going to do it all of a sudden you name the guy that gave him the plea deal the special prosecutor he goes in front of Congress and says, we can't talk to y'all guys. It's an open investigation. We're looking into everything. We don't, wanna, we don't want to damage the integrity of the investigation. And this is why they want an impeachment inquiry. They can go around a special counsel if they're in an impeachment inquiry. But he said, that, he said uh, last week that if Republicans move forward with uh, deciding to pursue an impeachment inquiry into President Biden, it will only happen after there is a formal vote on the house floor the news comes after reports have suggested that republicans could pursue a strategy used by rep nancy pelosi of california the former speaker of the house who launched a impeachment inquiry into former president donald trump without having members of congress vote that's right ladies and gentlemen so normally to open an uh, impeachment inquiry you're supposed to have 218 votes Republicans are going to have that if all Republicans stand together. You only have four. The, the Republican Party only control the House by four votes. So you can only lose four votes or three votes or whatever. Um. So 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 what was going on here is that Republicans, some Republicans, and this is probably Marjorie Taylor Greene and others, a lot of far right conservatives are saying, look, let's have an impeachment inquiry without votes in the House of Representatives. Now, that was that was never supposed to happen nancy pelosi did that for the impeachment inquiries into donald trump now she had to have the vote to impeach him to officially impeach him but the due to impeachment inquiry they didn't need a vote that's how nancy pelosi ran her congress nancy pelosi took the rules and just changed them all the way but kevin mccarthy however is has brought that back look we're gonna go ahead and do a vote before we launch an impeachment inquiry I think every Republican should do it, but I'm, 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 that's why this is why I'm saying I'm happy with Kevin McCarthy. A lot of Republicans were like, well, you got to play fire with fire. You got to fight fire with fire. OK, I understand th those parts. You need to be strong with some things. But let's get back to the traditions of Congress. Let's get back to the, to the traditions where like impeachment inquiries wouldn't start unless you have a majority vote. Now, I don't know why Nancy Pelosi. Well, correction. I do know why she didn't hold a vote because maybe there were some Democrats that didn't think Donald Trump needed to be impeached. She maybe wouldn't have got all the votes. So she just went ahead and her dictator self went ahead and, and, and did the impeachment inquiries. 
or she thought all her people was going to do it anyway. So she just took her power upon her as, as the house speaker. So I'm happy that, that they're doing this. I'm, I'm happy they're doing, they're, they're, they're looking into this option of impeachment inquiry, but at the same time, it needs 218 votes and Kevin McCarthy, I, I believe is doing right. He's going back to the traditions of the Senate, but with all this talk of impeachment, president Biden is starting to prep up for that. Now it's kind of funny how they're starting to prep up now. I think this is why I say this impeachment stuff is getting serious. This is from the Daily Caller. White House war room prepares to fight McCarthy impeachment inquiry. The White House has set up a war room of two dozen lawyers. Now, look, he can't go to East Palestine to check on people that, that went through a disaster, but he can go ahead and um, he can go ahead and set up a war room. Excuse me with two dozen lawyers. So you can hire two dozen lawyers to go ahead and fix, uh, you know, fix, you know, set up his defense for an impeachment inquiry. Um, so he hired two dozen lawyers, legislative aides and communication staffers to prepare a response to a potential GOP impeachment effort against president Joe Biden, a white house aide familiar with the situation told MSNBC. Uh, Kevin McCarthy said Sunday that an impeachment inquiry into Biden is a natural step forward, adding that he plans to bring an inquiry to Congress when he returns in September. Since McCarthy's comments, White House aides have used the August recess to research GOP statements and polish their response to the publish to possible inqui uh, impeachment inquiries. A source familiar with the uh, situation told MSNBC. So president Biden is taking this serious and he should, he should, Donald Trump should have taken this serious, taken his impeachment serious. And I think he did, but, uh, president Trump, all, all he would say is, look, look, they, they, they're coming after me. This is, and look, they were, I'm not, I'm not going to go ahead and sugarcoat that. They, the, the Democrat party just wanted Trump out of there. They're still trying to take Trump out of there Four impeachments in less than five months. Yeah. They're trying to take Donald Trump out of the political race. So ladies and gentlemen, this, this is, this is serious. And look, I'm going to be honest with you. I, when I first saw president Biden come in there and they were talking about impeachment, I thought it was, it was wrong. But going into this, the, the, these three years of president Biden doing what he's doing and hiding crimes of his son. Yeah. He needs to be impeached. And look, like I said, I'm, but on a, on a flip note, I'm glad Kevin McCarthy is going back to the tradition to traditions of the Congress. And he's, um, and he, he's going to put it up to a farmer vote. So, so with that being said, we're going to go ahead and take our break on the other side of the break. We're going to go ahead and join Mr. Chris Tozan. He like, he is the parish councilman of district five here in St. Martin parish. So stay tuned for that. Please. Uh, we'll be right back on the other side of the break. So stay tuned. Cheers and good on you, boys and girls. My name is Scott Ford, and I have a show on Rumble. It's the Scott Ford Show, all one word. The Scott Ford Show, all one word, and it's on Rumble. I'd be very happy if you went ahead and subscribed, like Isaac. I'm a true American-loving patriot. Thank you, Isaac. God bless. Enjoy your life. You're my peace of mind. When this old world seems 
Welcome back to the third and final segment of this episode of the Cajun Conservative Show. Today, I have a special guest in the house. His name is Chris Tozan. He is, uh, well, he was running for District 5 St. Martin Parish Council, but uh, you are elected, but you are currently the parish councilman of District 5. Chris, how you doing, man? Welcome Good to the show. Thanks, man, for having me here today. Man, man, you you ran unopposed. Is this the first time that's happened, or no? Uh, uh, you know, I ran twice before I actually got elected. I okay, ran two times and, and unsuccessful. The third time when I finally got in and everything, you know, I went out there and I worked hard and did what I could for my district and all. And I was fortunate enough that the first go round I ran unopposed. Nobody ran against me. Ah, so this time here, you know, this is my last and final term because you can only serve three terms, and I didn't have anybody run against me, so I was one of two mean. Uh, Councilman David Party will okay. go uh, unopposed this time. So this will be my last go round. Man, you, uh, Sheriff Beckett and um, Chad Boyer, they all, you all ran unopposed. Yeah. So I got a question. I asked uh, Chad this when he was with us the other day. How, how did it feel that last day of qualifying? Did you think somebody was going to magically pop up or, you know, did were you still cutting grass or what, what yeah. was it? You know, you know, I was still working and everything. And I was, you know, I'm not going to say I wasn't thinking about it, you know, because, uh, but, I'm going to tell you, as much I enjoy doing the, jo the job and serving the people and all, man, it's really a blessing to go out there and meet people in the parish yep. and the community. And with the redistricting and everything, it kind of changed my district around. I, I don't have Catahoula, Ala Bay, Catahoula Cove, uh, Anne's Broussard Highway. I lost all that, everything across the interstate. But I picked up from Burbridge High School all the way to Papi Gidry Road. I picked up the rest of Granova Road from the bridge all the way back to the fire station. And I was able to pick up the Buddha Rose community, which I, I was really happy about because... A lot of things in Buller Rose, I think that we could work on and try to improve over there and help those people and just get, get, get more things done. So in, in a way, I, I'm not tell you, I wasn't disappointed that I didn't have anybody run <laughs> against me. But I'll tell you what I am planning on doing is going out and meet those people in my district that are new to my district and just uh, kind of building relationships with them, let them know what's going on and just try to, you know, see what the needs are right there and see what we can do to help those people. But the last day, it, it was pretty satisfying to know that the people have the faith and, you know, they, they it's, it's definitely a blessing when... You know, the people think you're doing a good enough job that you get to go in the polls. So. Well, so I got a story. My dad was, uh, my dad always talks about running every so often. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, man, I think I'm going to run for parish council. And I looked at him and said, you sure you want to run? He's like, why? And I said, well, Chris is, he goes, oh, no, I'm good. Chris is, <laughs> so you're doing um, something right. You yeah, know? Yeah. You know, Chris, in talking about that, you know, you the people have faith in you that mm -hmm. where nobody said, look, we don't even want to run because he's doing a good job. Tell us a little bit of what you've done in the year, the, the, the eight years that you've been in that seat. You know, Isaac, when I first got in there, there, there was a lot of needs in the parish and stuff, and they, they, not neglect, but a lot of it was due to funding. Uh, and we first three months we were in office, we had the 2016 floods. Yep. And uh, it, it, it was pretty catastrophic in my district. Uh, I had a community, a couple of communities in, in, in areas in my district where uh, Bridgetown was one of them. But we had 86 houses, and we had 63 houses that had water in them. Wow. One thing I learned, it doesn't matter if it's a foot of water, or 10 feet of water, it's still water. Yep. And, and it's it's pretty rough to see these people have to go through all the, you know, the, the hard times and struggles and all. So we got we were pretty fortunate to learn early what, what, what we're getting up against and stuff and all. But the one thing we were able to do is, and I'll give all the credit to Guy Cormier. Guy had a solution. He came up with this idea. He said, look, let's try to pass a bond. We don't have the funding. A lot of people think, when you think about Lafayette, they're operating on a, a half a million dollar, you know, they got four yeah. five hundred thousand dollars budgeted for the parish. You know, God knows how much for the city. In St. Martin Parish, we got $38 million. That's what our annual budget comes down to. 
So we were able to go out and to the taxpayers, we put it out there and we, they were able to pass a millage and we, we did a $20 million bond. With that $20 million bond, we were able to do the Joe Day Canal or other projects in the parish that helped, but that, that helped quick and was very, you know, very fast producing projects that, that made a solution to some of these problems. One of the things that was done in my district, we were able to dredge the Catahoula Lake. Catahoula Lake, a lot of people think, you know, Catahoula, it benefits Catahoula. And it, 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 it's not so much for Catahoula as it is the people on this end of the parish, right. all the way to the top of the northern end of the parish in, in Mr. Richard's district, you know, as far as, far as uh, St. Landry Parish. Two-thirds of the water in this nation comes down the Mississippi River. Yep. 30% of that water is diverted into Chafalaya Basin. We also get water from the Red River that comes down through Alexandria and stuff that gets passed in Bayou Catabla. All that water comes down. It, when it can't go into the basin area, it comes down Bayou Ami. So a lot of the problems we had with the flooding was the backwater flooding in Catahoula. When the water gets over there and we get to a certain point, it would back flood there. But we were flooded here. A lot of people make jokes and stuff, and they say, well, yeah, it saved Pats of Henderson, you know, the, the restaurant. Pats of Henderson, let me tell you, when they, when you got water in the restaurant at Henderson. It's bad. Yeah, we, we've got six, seven homes that have water in the house. Yeah. Right so that bond was a big thing that we were able to do. We also were able to, to uh, upgrade our parks. Five million of that went to park upgrades, and we did a big, big project in Cecilia, yep. you know, and I was able to do the Catahoula Park where we were able to build a wreck building there. We uh, redid the restroom in the concession stand area. We did new playground equipment. So we, we really upgraded the parish a whole bunch. So I was real proud and to be part of that and, you know, and stuff and get that done. The second thing I'm real proud of that the parish, again, the voters, because unlike some with local government, we can't raise your taxes. All the tax, all we can do is approve it to send it to the voters to allow yep. them to make that decision if they want to do it. And the voters were, came back to us and said that because they passed the road tax, the one cents road tax. Yep. As a misconception when it comes to road tax. A lot of people think that that road tax covers all roads in St. Martin Parish, and it doesn't. We're only responsible for the parish roads. The incorporated areas of the parish do not pay that one cent sales tax. So you got St. Martinville, you got the Village of Parks, you got the Burbridge uh, City, you got Henderson. All these, these municipalities don't pay for this, so it's all the outside. So we only use the money to do the outside projects. And we're getting ready to start a project now that's going to be coming up. We're going to be doing partnership with Burbridge City, the old Mellison extension from the roundabout to the Mac dealership. We're going to be doing a re total reconstruction of that road. Oh, wow. Uh, I want to say it came in at $1.2 I think that it's $1.2. No, and some of that area of the road is not as bad as the others, but it, it's, it's bad. It's yeah, it's a bad road. So that road's getting done. We're going to be doing Section 28 road. We're going to be doing Herman Dupuy Road in, in uh, uh, Burbridge High School Road, uh, Bodono Road in this area. And there's a couple of roads on the uh, north end of the parish that we're going to be doing. But that's going to be done in two phases. The first phase will be this year. Second phase will go out for bid and be approved with this council that's here to start next year after grinding is over. So our tax generates about $3 million a year, roughly. Problem is this year, the last couple of years, we had a lot of bridges go out on us. Yeah. We had the bridges is in road. We had Four Mile Bayou in, in, in Lower St. Martin Parish. We just recently had Grand Wall Bridge go out. That just came in. We opened bids last week. Bids were awarded. That bid came in at $417,000. So, and that has to come out of our road tax money. So when we, we finished, when it was all said and done, we had to take about a million to a million and a half dollars out of there to repair bridges. So uh, the good news is there is funding 
and with the new tax and all, the bad news is what we were hoping to do was we would have liked to have done what Scott did when they first passed the, the tax initially. They were able to bond their money and go out and do all the roads. And that, that was our, our idea to get done. The problem with all that was we couldn't do it because interest rates are so high. If we would go out and bond the whole thing out, we wouldn't have anything to keep up for maintenance, and we'd only get to do two-thirds of our projects. So kind of like balancing your checkbook at your home, yep. you know, you got to do what you got to do, and we don't want to go to banks, and we ain't looking to borrow money. We're looking to just, you know, make this parish run on what we can afford to do. Yeah, you got to try to run it on a, on a budget that, that helps out just not your voters, but also right. everyone that will come visit and all that good stuff. Yeah. So, you know, Chad, you, you're talking about this with roads and all that like that. A lot of people would ask me why you have a parish councilman. You could we all we heard all over the country, but and we call a parish council. You have uh, county councilmen right. uh, outside the state, but local politics is very important to the community. Yeah, a lot of people like seeing the president's race or the governor's race. Those are big hot topics. Right. But you got to go out there and vote for your local officials too, because it you know you're a conservative, and if imagine if the whole state's conservative but your parish council isn't or your county council it there that's the bedrock of this country is local politics yeah you know most people don't stop to realize that but not everybody's going to use the sheriff i mean most people you know if they law-abiding citizens they don't have problems going on there thing you know i mean not to say the sheriff's not important he's probably one of the most important figures yep. we have in the parish but not everybody reaches out to the sheriff everybody drives on roads everybody's got drainage issues the libraries the fire stations, health units, parks and recreation, that all comes down to your local government. So the one person you contact more than anybody else is going to be your parish councilman. Mm -hmm. You know, and your parish councilman's job and ob obligation to go is to, to, to see what the needs are in his area, bring those needs forward to the rest of the council, address that with the parish president, work on coming up with solutions and ideas of how to pay for these things and how to get them done. And we've been fortunate in St. Martin Parish. We've had some great council members come across. We've uh, pretty much been real, very conservative. We've never been in a position since the history of parish government has started that we were ever broke or we were in the red. You know, we've always been able to manage our money and keep our stuff, you know, pretty prioritized, what needs to be done and get them done. I'll tell you one thing we do that a lot of people don't know. We have video poker in St. Martin Parish. It doesn't matter if you have two video parlors or if you have 10, it'll generate you about a million dollars a year. Wow. share. So what we do with the money that we receive from there, that money is not spent. That money is put aside for the following year. That's our hurricane preparedness money. That's our, that's our, that's our little cash cow. So if, if we hit a floodings or we hit hurricanes or anything, we don't have to wait for FEMA to come here to bail us out. We can start helping ourselves before to where it's not a lot of money to get started, but it's enough to cover the cap and what we have to come up with in upside of the, you know, the matches and stuff. The way it helps us. And if we don't use it, it goes into a fund called Excess Video Poker. Excess Video Poker can be used for road projects, for funding of uh, the jail. Parish government owns the jail. We own every government building in the parish is owned by and maintained by the, by the St. Martin Parish government. A lot of people think that the sheriff's department is responsible for the jail, and they're not. We're responsible for feeding, medicating, clothing, everything for those prisoners. The jail is ours. We, we own the jail. Courthouse, same thing. We pay the tab on that. We got to pay. That's out of your local tax dollars. So, you, you know, with $30 million, it doesn't go very far, but when you got the right people budgeting and managing the money, and so far we've been good accountants of our money and we've done the right thing. That's awesome, that's awesome. And look, you're not the only one, uh, Dean, who's running for pre uh, Paris president. Yeah. You had uh, you have a couple of you, a couple of guys on that council. It, 
y'all y'all do a great job and stay more empowered mm -hmm. and e even with our some of our troubles we have the issues with uh with lafayette parish a little bit but that hopefully that gets solved real soon but that's something that local government i can't go to lafayette parish and argue that that's something right. that y'all need to take care of and I know Dean has Dean. Dean's my councilman because funny where we live at right here, District Eight and District Five meet, yeah, up. meet up. But you know, uh, I had an issue with something. Dean took care of it, and you know that that's what that's what it's about. Y'all y'all taking care yeah. of us. You know, we 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 there. We we voted and elected on by districts by stuff, but pretty much all the council members agree and all, and we don't have a problem. Look, I was born and raised in Grand Ends. Cecilia's where I went to school. Dean was born and raised where I, you know, I, I serve where he grew up and he serves where I grew right. up. And we got a pretty good understanding. If there's something that, that goes wrong in his district and, you know, people call me because they know me, you know, we reach out to each other and we try to make sure that at the end of the day, it's about taking care of the parish and right. not drawing about the lines and stuff. So we're pretty good on that. One thing you just brought up about this, the, referring to the small bank issues, there's not a whole lot we can talk about because it is in, it's, it's in litigation and stuff. But just for your listeners to know, we didn't drop the ball on this thing. Before those small banks even were removed, Mayor Gilray and them went and tried to get the permits to do it, and they weren't successful. So at that point, they dropped it. But Chester, being an old attorney from the country and everything, he don't just forget about things too easy. Chester started looking into this and started making, you know, making plans, and we had addressed another law, uh, attorney firm that handles those kind of situations, and they are representing us in this case. Josh Gilray did file suit against us and the Corps Engineers in district 15 which is judicial 15 is lafayette mm -hmm. parish but that case has been dismissed by a judge magistrate for hours and two weeks ago it was dismissed on the uh, federal court on their side against the core engineers so we have filed suit in the 16 jd we have a, a judge has been appointed to the thing to the, to the case and we are uh, gonna be, be saw to be pretty soon they can start doing depositions and, and they are moving forward. But we haven't forgotten about the people in Cypress Island. We haven't dropped the case. I mean, we in full litigation with it all. It's just, it's a slow process. It's the judicial system, the wheels turn very slow. If, if we'd like to see it work a lot faster, but we are, it's out of our control. So. And that's how the founding fathers wanted. They wanted yeah. to make sure yeah. that, that they make sure they make the right decision right. on that. So, so Chris, going forward, you know, you have four more years. Um, what you have planned for four more years in in your side of the council? On my side of the council, in the next four years, we we got our road tax money, so we want to start redoing our roads. And hopefully, if if this look, if our country's not in the right leadership, in my opinion, I think we need to change leaderships. I think you know we're going to see a leadership in Washington change, and, and hopefully for the better. I think interest rates will start going down. Once interest rates starts going down, if we can, we'll bond the money out to do the road projects. If not. At that point, we'll see where we at, and we'll just continue doing it the way we're doing it. It's gonna be a little bit slower process, but uh, man, our country's not in the best of shape right now. No, <laughs> you know, uh, you li you're a regular listen to the show. You know, I, yeah. I get my when my face starts turning red. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, local government sometimes it looks like everything's you know it's a cluster, everything's messed up and all. And I mean, it, when you look at it on the parish and state and local. I mean, I, I think we're doing a decent job and we're trying to do what's right for the people. And like I said, we've never put ourselves in the red. Man, you got to run this country like you run your household. I, I, that's how I feel. You know, first thing you did when you took God out of classrooms, Yep. you know, he, our country was founded on God. You know, it was built on that. And I don't care what you believe in. You got to have an explanation for why we're here. Yep. You know, and uh, I think the country's headed down the wrong thing. It seems like when I was a young boy, everything they told me that was bad, they're telling you now it's good. You yep. know, and it's just... We need a we need a 
we need to regroup. I think the silent majority is going to come out this round. I think a lot of people are frustrated with the way things are going. I think it's going to get better. Our state, I think, is going to be headed in the right direction. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm openly always supporting Jeff Landry. I think Jeff's the guy to do the job. Jeff came in there as attorney general, and he was able to do things that most people never wanted to do, not that he couldn't do, that nobody else wanted to do, and Jeff did them. I think Liz was a big part of that. I think with Liz and Jeff as governor, we'll have a good team over there in Baton Rouge fighting. Uh, I think uh, Blake Miguez, I'm supporting Blake Miguez. I think Blake is qualified. Blake says every, everything I'm, I want to hear and everything I want to see happen, he he, he he goes over that. You know, he's uh, he's one of us, man. Yep. He cares about this country. Yeah, we had we had him a couple of weeks ago over here. I think a couple of, maybe a week ago. Yeah. Time flies so fast for me. But, uh, but yeah, Blake, I like Blake. Uh, Jeff, Jeff's my number one uh right now but uh yeah. i'm not gonna lie wags is a close second too yeah. so I, you know i like both of them i think uh i think we're, we're any one of those candidates that are up for governor will be better than sean wilson and john bell edwards yeah. in my opinion so we, we definitely yeah. listen i'm an independent i've been an independent for a long time i ran as independent one as independent state as independent i got people that tell me all the time that's in the republican party man you're one of the most conservative guys we know why aren't you in the republican party and i say look as soon as you start getting rid of them rhinos i'm jumping on <laughs> you know i just as i just feel independence the way to you know the, for me to go right now but uh I, I can't really pull a lever for a democrat anymore no it's just we, we we trusted them we believed in them and it's not the you know, back in the day when my grandfather was alive and you know we had a old blue dog democrats in, in louisiana and got things done you know we worked across the hall and they got things accomplished and you don't have that anymore so i got a question on that because you know i, I don't know if you're a donald trump guy or yeah. ron paul uh, not ron paul uh ron, ron DeSantis. DeSantis. see i'm a ron DeSantis guy yeah like, donald trump's my second guy if i had to pick someone else but on, on that on that side you talk about blue dog democrats do you think robert kennedy has a, has a shot on the democrat side because you're talking about blue dog democrats right. that's blue dog all the way and his he has a reputation i i call him the donald trump of the democrat party because yeah. he has blown he has that's a storm over there on the democrat side yeah he he follows his brother's footsteps he's he's pretty conservative guy he uh he doesn't he doesn't vote and he doesn't act like a democrat no you know he's kind of like some of the rhinos that are republicans that should be democrats he's one of those democrats that should be re republican i think I like him a lot. I think he'd be great for the Democratic side. I wish he was. We did, then we'd have a, a no-win situation, no-lose situation. Right. You know, because no matter who the Republican nominee is, well, I can't say who the nominee is. There's a few of them in the Republican side. I don't yeah. I don't think they're very good. I like Ron DeSantis. I do. I like what he's done for Florida. He, he you know, he's he's put that, that, that state where they need to be, and he's a very conservative guy, and he's, he's not as opinionated as Trump is. Look, I love what Trump has to say. I love the way he, you know, he, what he accomplishes. Sometimes the, his mission of getting it out there might be a little <laughs> different. But I think at the end of the day, the way it's going, if uh, if Trump was to have to back out or he was able to back out this race for some reason, I think Ron DeSantis is the guy that we need. That's that's who would be my second choice. Or, or, or Vic, or Ron Asami. Ron Asami. Uh, that, 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 I, that, that's a younger version of Donald Trump right yeah. there. I just I, That's what I got from the last debate. Yeah. You know, the last debate, I'm going to tell you, I watched the debate and everything, and I thought Nikki Haley did the best in the debate out there. She was pretty good. She she was a firecracker. Yeah. She yeah. was a firecracker. Uh, like I said, I, out of the the best part was between her and uh, Ranasami. Yeah. That they, they I hope I saying his name right, but anyway, uh, they they went ahead toe to toe, and that was one of the highlights of yeah. that. 
Uh, so so parish council though. Uh, four years after we we have a parish race right now. Right. For 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 our president, um, two two good conservatives are in there. I'm not gonna ask you who to endorse because yeah. you know, uh, we all know these people. But uh, um, Chester's uh, uh, coming out, and uh, yeah. Chester was a good uh, fit for the uh, for the parish. Um, do you? You know, what about you going forward, you know, after four years, if, you know, Chester came in here and what Chester brought to the table was something that Guy and Scott wasn't able to bring was Chester, his, his weakest part was public works and stuff like that. Cause he had, you know, he had, wasn't his strong point, but the most important thing Chester brought was he was our attorney from the beginning of time. He also was attorney for Charles August. He was attorney for school board. He represented a bunch of municipalities in, in Burbridge and different ones. And Chester was one of the. To me, he's probably one of the most knowledgeable guys out there when it comes to government law. A lot of people might not realize this, but Chester left us. He left parish government for about eight months. When Jeff became attorney general, he went work for Jeff in Baton Rouge, and, and he handled some stuff for Jeff and helped things get started over there. Then he came back, and the deal was he was going to go for a year, and then he wasn't planning there to stay forever. He just wanted to go. So he, uh, Chester brought a lot to the table. The, the guys that are running right now for parish president, look, Dean and I have a good relationship. We sat on the council for eight years together. Uh, Dean's smart enough to do the job. I think, you know, he's capable of doing it. Pete Delcom, I really didn't know Pete that well. And I got to know him. You know, he, I've talked to him and met with him a few times. He, uh, he's well qualified. Yeah. Very qualified. I mean, he ran a bank. He, uh, he construction company. He did his business. Actually, when I first got on the council, we were trying to get people to do stuff in the park. And we were having trouble because a lot of guys don't have insurance and they're not bonding and stuff. You gotta be insured and bond. Pete had his little construction company and we need some fencing work done. And he did the first job for us in the, over there. So I got to know him and, and work with him on that. Uh, very smart fella. School board board brought him in to handle some of their major projects and stuff over there. And he uh, he did him a good job. You know, I've talked to people at the school board. I like him a whole bunch. I think we're in a pretty good situation yeah. where we're gonna be, you know, one way or the other, we're gonna be all right. I don't know how long a commitment these guys are gonna give us. But I'm there for four more years, and after four years, I won't be able to run back because I'll be term limit. And look, I think I 100% agree with term limits. I think it's the greatest thing ever. Yep, me too. You know, every once in a while, you might lose a good one due to term limits. But you know what? If that guy was as good as he was, he'll stay involved. He'll work with the next ones coming in and try to help him. It, 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 you bring in that fresh new blood, fresh ideas, people coming there with... You know, it's a good thing. I'm all for term limits. And, you know, everybody said, well, you're going to find out what term limits are about. Look, I'm happy. I did my 12 years. I was glad. What happens with the future from here? I don't know. I'm never closing the door opportunity. We'll see what happens in four years. We'll see what positions will open or what I do. Shit, I might be running with my little granddaughter at a baseball game. You know, <laughs> we'll see what's going to happen. Yeah, and, and that, you know, I had somebody ask me to run for pack, and I was like, look, you know, not right now. I think I'm doing good on this microphone more. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, you just gotta wait and see. I, you know, I just had to act. You know, yeah. for four oh, years. Oh yeah, yeah, four I understand. Years, four Look, years though, you already have a standing date. If, right. You know, you're gonna have to come here and tell me. Well, <laughs> you'll be the first one to know if hey. I decide to do something. Either way, but if I decide to run with my granddaughter, play baseball, or run for a different position, I'll let you know. But you know, it's funny. I tell people this all the time. Troy Abear was our senator. Me and Troy were best of friends. And I served as a legislative assistant to in the Senate, and we did most of the agriculture bills on his side. And uh, Troy always told me, he said, look, never close the door to opportunity, keep it open and stuff, and you never know what's going to happen. And he was a big part of me getting into politics and everything. But uh, I enjoyed what I did. I served in the governor's task force for the Chafalaya Basin. 
uh, me alone with Sherman Collette and, and Jody Mesh and a couple of other guys, local guys. We got the, we were one of 12 voters out of a 30 panel that went throughout the state. And some of these projects are paying off. We're doing the Dixie Pipeline project right now, and we're going to be doing some more projects in the basin. So uh, I enjoyed what I did, and it, it, it's been good, and I'm looking for the next four years, and we'll see what happens after that. Hey, that does as long as long as, as long as you keep on going good, you won't hear me. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I, I guess we, that's a good thing, if we, you know. Yeah, but you know, I tell people all the time. But listen, before I got into politics, I was always involved in politics. But before I got into an elected position, I tell people, look, it used to be a whole lot easier to stir the pot than to actually have to bake a cake. When you're baking yeah. a cake, you gotta watch not to burn that thing. Yeah, and that, that like I said, y'all got me, y'all got me on your heels every so yeah. often. So, yeah. but well, that's a good thing, you know. People, yeah. we need to be accountable, you know. Yep. Sometimes we think we're doing the right thing and all that, and we, you know, we might be doing the right thing, but somebody else might come in there with a better idea. And that's what your constituents are there for. They're there to, to keep you in line and make sure that you work with them and all. And it's not about calling people out and saying that you're doing a bad job or you're doing something wrong. It's when you hear somebody, listen, we got nine districts in this parish, and I serve with eight different council members. And I can tell you, you would not believe this, and that this is one of the most important things I've learned serving on the council. Every district is different. What happens in my district might not work in Tangent Norris's district. What happens in my district might not work in Brooke Champagne's district. You know, a lot of people don't realize that the cash cow for St. Martin Parish, our biggest economic port is the K Community Center, that, that uh, industrial park, that area there. That's, that's, that's where our bread and butter is. That's where our money comes in from. That's oh. the biggest collections we have. And so everybody's district is a little bit different, and everybody's opinion, it might not be as valuable, it might not be as important to you as it is to them, but everybody should be vetted out and listened to. And then this year, going on to the four years, you're going to have new faces Especially yeah. in District Eight, you're gonna have a new parish president. Yeah. You're gonna have, you're gonna have a lot of new things. So that well, we know, know we got two new districts coming for sure with Brooke Champagne and I, you know, running back, and you got Mark Thibodeau and uh, Corey Mellison. I think two good guys, uh, Blaine and then Dean's old district. Yeah. You got Blaine and you got Ben Clay, and all two really good guys are there. I mean, so I think it's a win-win situation. No matter what happens in the parish, I think we look, we looking things are looking good. Yeah, it's know? looking good in, in our parish. In our parish. Yeah. So. Uh, Chris, if uh, anybody wants to get in touch with you about anything, how, how to get in touch with you? Same phone number I've had since I got elected and before, uh, 277-3563. Call me. Most people know where I live. One thing, I work in the parish. I'm local. I'm available. I'm here all the time. If there's anything I can do, look, inside of my district, outside of my district, you know, whatever I can do, I'm willing to help, man. You know, I just, I just want to make sure that our parish is moving forward and not behind and just keep doing what we're doing. October 14, you going to any parties or what? Uh, well, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully going to the governor's party and, you know, we got something going on there. Yep. But. We got uh, we got an announcement on that coming up soon. We're going to be doing a three-hour program like we did for the uh, candidates, so uh, the the midterm elections. So yeah. we're going to be either in here or we're going to be somewhere live videotaping. Well, so. Look, I want to tell you, I appreciate everything you do here. You know, Thank you, you get the voice out. I'm a, uh, Not everybody's a big Moonga phone supporter and everything, but... <laughs> I like listening to Moon. I like listening to some of them guys because they're local guys and they mm -hmm. keep you up to date with what's going on. And especially what you're doing here, you're local, you're right here, and you know, you're keeping everybody abreast of what's going on. So thank you for what you do. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Chris, yeah. thank you for coming on, man. We, we're going to have to schedule it again soon. Not a problem. Anytime you want me on, I'll come on. You live right down the road, so you good. So. I, ain't, you know, I ain't run across the Sugar King view and be here in five minutes. So you like the old a, days, running your bare feet. Yeah, not a big problem. <laughs> Chris, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ozzy. 
That was Chris Tozan. He is the District 5 uh, Parish Councilman here in St. Martin Parish. Uh, he gave out his number. If you have any questions, if you live in that par- if you live in St. Martin Parish, you can always call him. Uh, until next time, remember that Jesus Christ is King. He's coming back, and he's coming back soon. So don't be faint of heart, because Jesus has overcome the world. If you know Jesus, your Lord and Savior. Reach out to me. I'll tell you how to make Jesus your Savior in heaven, your home. Until next time, be blessed, be encouraged. You have a good one.